0: Hey, everyone, it's Tony Verovin, and I'm sharing the audio from a webinar that we did on December 1st. That happens to be today, and you might be hearing this sometime in the future. So uh, some of the things that they're talking about here are perhaps somewhat time sensitive. They talk about things that might happen in the future uh, within the next 12 or 18 months with regard to air filter media supply and the supply chain. Really good episode. We had Joel Swan, who is uh, from AAF Flanders, Mike Clark from Hollingsworth and Vose, Scott Tennyson from Kimberly Clark, and Mark Tucker from SWM International. Joel moderated the other three gentlemen, and it was a really good uh, insight into what's happening and what might happen uh, I think you know we have to be real careful about obviously over promising and under delivering and uh, with regard to air media and its supply but I think you're gonna have a really good understanding of what happened why we're in this situation and and uh where is the way out or how is the way out so enjoy really good webinar and if you've got uh, comments or further questions email us at nafa at nafahq.org
1: before i get to the antitrust statement let me thank tony and also michelle back in our virtual studio for getting us started i also want to thank tom justice he actually of got these folks together and got this scheduled based on demand from you all of what we wanted to hear in the industry right now thank my guests mike mark and scott and uh, with that we'll, we'll kind of jump right into it now we did receive a lot of questions and thank you for those we also encourage you to go ahead and keep sending those questions in now please use the chat button to send us to uh, send us questions during this presentation we got it three pages worth. Um, we kind of grouped them together, but we got three pages worth to get started with. But we do encourage you to go ahead and send questions in while we're going here, especially as something comes in, you want to dive a little deeper, please go ahead and, and look at that chat. Uh, we did receive some questions about pricing and things like that. And we are a you know a trade organization and there's antitrust laws. So we want to kick that off and, and understand that. The other thing I want to say before I read the antitrust is that This is also targeted at our media folks. So we did receive some questions from filter manufacturer questions, some application of filter type questions, a little bit beyond the scope. It's okay to bring them in. Uh, We may talk about them on the fringe, but just understand these are our media suppliers and we're gonna try to stay focused on that. So let me go ahead and read this antitrust statement because it does matter to all the panelists, we're all involved and any and all participants in this meeting need to be mindful of the constraints of antitrust laws. There shall be no discussion of agreements or concerted actions that may in any way restrain competition. This includes the exchange of information concerning prices, rates, coverages, market practices, or any other competitive aspect of a company's operation. All all participants, that's all of us, are obligated to speak up immediately for the purpose of preventing any discussion from falling outside these bounds. So thank you for uh, following that. All right, let's go to the next slide here. Come on technology, all right. So what we wanna talk about, again, we've got these questions, ready to get started, but I did have a couple of slides just to kind of kick us off. And what we started with, the simple thing is how and why did we get here? And the simple question is obviously we've got this virus out there, the SARS-CoV-2, COVID-19, and then, and then the whole filter demands and the filter spotlight of air filters moving from a comfort into a life safety type of an application. The market trends that have also kind of created this. And again, we're going to get into details from these folks. But, you know, how did this happen? Well, the ASHRAE Pandemic Committee brought out this first initial recommendation that we look at MERV 13, where the MERV 14 preferred. So obviously that made a trick of demand there based on past industry standards. The other thing is that we're looking at the CDC has also mentioned MERV 13 or higher. They also talk about bypass air, which uh from the air filter manufacturer side I encourage you all make sure that bypass beyond the scope of today's topic but an important fact nonetheless with with fighting the uh COVID the then also the scientific brief that has recently come out from CDC is talking about respiratory viruses being transmitted in multiple ways and we are talking about that airborne transmission so at one time we weren't wearing masks and now we've got the CDC talking about it. Now, maybe specialized. Again, won't go into a lot of detail today about that, but the viral dosage and the fact that it is airborne is now an acknowledged fact. So that's, that's kind of why we're here today. The other great thing is our commercial markets. You know, we were all set up for a MERV 8 pre filter and then higher final filters, MERV 11s, 15s along that line. But what we've seen in the market is a 400% demand on MERV. 13. So year over year, 400. And, and again, I like to say 400 with a bullet. So it's still going up. That That is the way the market is shifting. And that has certainly set us up. Now, manufacturers, both of the filters and of the media were set up to maintain this Merv 8 type of media and had our, our plants set up to go that way. And now the shift in the market, we're in this adjustment time along with this increased demand. Again, we will adjust over time. All of those things in this supply line have to go. Today, we're going to be talking to the media manufacturers, again, just to help scope it for you of who, who you're talking to and who you'd be listening from today. The melt-blown synthetics, we're talking about all media, but the melt-blown synthetics were of a particularly tax due to this demand of the government first out and the melt-blown shortages that are out there. And again, we're going to address that from the folks. Uh, laws of supply and demand. And we do have a price-driven slide that I, I should have cleaned up there, but nonetheless, th- there it is. Um, and, and this this first out. And with that, we're gonna start with questions. Now I flipped the coin backstage, y'all don't know this, Mike, you won. So this first question will be directed at you, but um, again, let you go first. And then I'd like to hear from all of y'all on each of these questions. But the first question we wanna start off with is, you know, beyond the short answer of COVID-19, what are the current supply chain's constraints that are contributing to these shortages? And uh, what is causing those constraints? And I'll turn it over to you.
2: Thanks, Joel. Um, as you said in your introduction, uh, um, these are really unprecedented times. And uh, the, the shortest answer, easiest way to, to get at that is to think about all the demands that we're seeing in uh, personal protective equipment. The, uh, the products, the medias that we use to make those types of products. Uh, uh, medical gowns, face masks, respirators, surgical hoods, all those types of things. The same technology used to make these electrostatically charged melt-blown materials and electrodes that are used in MERV 13 and higher filtration. So that's really uh, what's caused kind of the train wreck here. We, uh, we're seeing um, a lot of demand from governments, states, federal, uh, also from, uh, from corporations, just trying to protect uh, their people and citizens. And uh, that demand is what's really caused the squeeze on the filtration side of the business.
3: Yeah, from a Kimberly-Clark standpoint, I'll just jump in and, and, and tag on what Mike said because he's absolutely correct. We're seeing the same thing, filtration protective. It's it's kind of plays in the same uh, area of business, same manufacturing processes, the same raw materials. Then throw that one step further is we were already seeing a shortage in trucking. So that's another aspect for from a logistics standpoint that's hard to get the product directly to the end customers. And we're not seeing this just on filtration protective, but as you know, if you go to your local Walmart store and check out the toilet paper aisle, it's a little bit thin right now. And there's multiple things that's impacting us and it's, it, it's crossing over into other manufacturing segments. And it's not just the demand for filtration, but the overall supply chain in general is being squeezed.
4: I'll tag on, and echo what Mike and Scott have said as well. It's uh, it's it's every part of the business. Uh, people has been um, greatly affected in every area of our business. All every every product um, from the raw polymers to the finished product across the board. Everything has uh, contributed to the the shortages that we're seeing.
1: Uh, on those shortages of those raw supplies, where where do we fit in or or can you speak to anything of internationally? Um, I know you all are international companies as well, but you know domestic and international. any any comments as where we lie there, where we sit there or, or where we are going forward?
3: Yeah, this isn't just a North America issue. it's it's global. so we're seeing a lot of uh, impact in Asia. We're seeing a lot of impact in Europe. Uh, we're, having, we're having regions reach out to us for a filtration standpoint that we never thought would be reaching out to us on those terms. So, yes, we are working to keep as much material in North America as possible. Same thing we're doing with our protective products as well. But uh, this isn't something that's going to go away real soon, and it's going to be uh, something where the global impact is going to be continuing for a while.
1: Mike or Mark, any, anything to add on that one as far as that international supply chains,
2: I, I would just add that. Yeah, sure. I would just add that uh, for the filtration perspective, really it's the North America market where we're really seeing the strongest demand or conversion from these lower efficiency filters to the higher efficiency. There's some of it going on in APAC. Europe, the baseline filtration standard was already a little bit higher, and we don't see the same demand, at least on our side of Hinesworth and Boz there for this. It really seems to be driven by North America, as you said, Joel, with the CDC and ASHRAE guidelines. Gotcha. All
1: right, that covers it. Uh, all right, very good. Well, the next question is the big one that that we got the most response on, and 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 that is just, you know, what do we see as a time frame going forward, and and being able to recover from these shortages and and make improvements in the market.
2: I, I'll I'll maybe take the first shot at that one. Um, it, it's complicated because there's a lot of moving pieces, and of course we don't know what further impact COVID is going to have on uh, on our country, for example. And uh, when we go into uh, another crisis where uh, we can't obtain medical uh, PPE that's required, uh, that could put further constraints on it. But but looking at things stay about where they are today. Uh, It appears that there should be some relief starting next year. As an industry, we we kind of track all the different announcements that we see out there for capacity expansions. And uh, it looks like, uh, with the help of some of the numbers from INDA, that there's about 14 new lines in North America going in uh, as we speak. Uh, I know some of those are scheduled to be starting up uh, as early as January. And then additional ones will come online as the year goes by. So there will be some relief. What we don't know is how much of that capacity is already spoken for with the medical side of things versus the filtration side. Uh, So from the HMV, Hollywood Devos perspective, I would say that there'll be some relief in late uh, 2021, say Q4. We expect to see some, but uh, that can change based off all the global dynamics that are going on there.
3: Yeah, I certainly agree with that, with Mike saying, we have, and and we're all doing everything that we can to provide as much material out in the market as possible. So we'll start with that. We have made a lot of investments that are going to impact our capabilities in 2021 from a Kimberly-Clark standpoint. These are large machines. It's not easy to get them started. So will they be ready to go just right off the bat in Q1? No. Will we start seeing positive impacts by the end of Q1? Absolutely. We have multiple machines that will be going in between now and the end of 2021. Mike said, we're not sure exactly what tomorrow holds, but if everything stays as is, we should see some positive impacts in 2021. I think this is more about an 18-month impact, uh, the way we're seeing the growth at, and to get all the way back up to filling everybody's need.
4: We have a lot of backfilling left to do as well, so we'll, we'll have... Uh... We feel like we'll be able to see some uh, some relief on our end somewhere in 2021, Q4 prob- probably. Um, as people continue to respond, I think there's been probably a lot of uh, uh, reactions uh, trying to fulfill orders and uh, could be over responding at, at some point, but um, we're trying to make sure we manage customers' expectations as best as possible. And um, make sure that we're only we're only putting product out where nothing's sitting in a warehouse. We can't control what our customers do, of course, but we, we try to make sure that we're we're supplying everyone as equally as we can. Okay,
1: kind of to drill. Maybe out. Joel,
2: if I could just just add to that, um, you know, certainly as an industry, you look at uh, you know, kind of the the unsung heroes are really the, the folks keeping these plants going that are making all this stuff. As an industry we're putting out, uh, as you said, Joel, about four times what we put out in prior years. We've adapted well, uh, squeezed efficiencies out where we can to make that much more. And and I know everyone's doing the best they can, but each of our companies are doing an amazing job, just keeping the people safe so we can keep these lines running uh, because that would really be a disaster for the health and safety, but also for the supply chains
1: if uh, if they were to go down. Right. Thank you. Let's drill down into that question a little bit more. And I think it was Mike that you that mentioned MERV 13 as the, the driver. Is it worth, and actually I'm asking the question. So segmenting that by MERV rating, can we expect different? Can we look for, uh, and again, you know, our audience is looking for strategies to go forward and plan for the next year and looking at MERV 13 material versus a MERV 8 material versus MERV higher than that. Can you, se- can you all please segment that a little bit and let us know, is the response going to be different by those segment?
2: Sure. Yeah, there, there is a nuance there. And I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, the, the constraints that we're seeing from a filter media are really on the electret charge. So they're the synthetics on the uh, the, the microfiberglass products. So for a V bank or a panel filter there, you can get all the MER13 uh, media and filters that you want right now. The constraint isn't there. But you're seeing the big lift and spike in demand on the synthetic side because of the commercial and uh, residential draw that you get there. You can use those media to make filters with extremely low pressure drop, as We know that fit in the small channels, one, two, four inch filters.
3: Right. I can just from a Kimberly Clark standpoint, we're seeing the impact on all of those grades you mentioned, the 8, the 11 and the 13. Those are the ones that we are most focused on. We did have some innovation projects lined up to get some 15s and 16s and possibly even higher, but we have kind of slowed those down so we can focus on making sure that we can get the most material out that we can in those 8, 11, and 12s and and 13s. The 13, we are seeing the most growth from, like Mike was talking about, but we are are still not up to the... uh, up to the scale that we need to on the MERV eight or to, or on the 11th to continue to provide everybody what they're asking for. Still got to work on that a little bit as well.
4: Okay. Same true with it's true with us. We um, first of all the the, the capacity issue and having people that uh, you can keep them safe and be able to produce product has has been a challenge and making sure that everyone's staying safe and. And, and getting product out no product is worth someone's health and so we're trying to make sure we manage that as best we can
1: okay very good thanks all right the next question again we got kind of a group of questions with the anticipation of the the covid vaccine being released and I, and i kind of grouped this together uh, with the release of the vaccine and then even without what are your what are you all looking at in terms of making your assumptions for your future planning again through 2021, but even beyond that, what kind of things are you looking at? Maybe market conditions, vaccine impact, any of those things, can, can you speak to what you all look at individually in yeah. your planning process?
3: I'll start if you don't mind. So from a Kimberly Clark standpoint, yes, we're all looking forward to that vaccine. Yes, we're, we're excited to hear about the great work that's being done to bring that forward. But I think this goes back to the industry itself and overall indoor air quality. You know, the indoor air quality across the globe can be improved. It's not just a COVID-19 impact. It's something that there's many respiratory illnesses that, if the indoor air quality was improved upon, it could help people's health across the board. So I think this isn't just something that we need to focus on for COVID-19. Yes, we have seen that bubble. It's given it a good light on our industry there's certainly a wave but i definitely think that the overall market is going to stay high we're looking at it that way we don't think it's just going to drop off and that's what we're uh, we're committed to investing in this category to drive that overall indoor air quality story and grow
1: the market in our segment altogether right well you know we like <laughs> to talk that the air filtration is still in its infancy right our our whole organization is still in its infancy of, of the more we learn about diseases, the more we learn about defects in industrial processes, the more we find the importance of that air, which again, is one of the great things nafa is about. And so I, I agree with you that I think going forward, we're not going to go backwards. The, this COVID thr- thrust us in the spotlight and thrust new technologies into the spotlight, but I don't think we're going to go backwards. Mike, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. Go ahead.
2: No, I think that's a great point that you just made there. I, I agree. I don't think we're going to go backwards. Um, you now you hear in the in the common vernacular of people what MERF thirteen is, uh, what nonwovens are. It was never cool to be in nonwovens before, but now uh, now people recognize what it is. Uh, it, you know, I don't think it's going to go backwards. I think specifically to your question about the vaccine, that will help give us relief on the medical side. So then that capacity can go back to the industrial or the commercial filtration side.
1: Very good. Great point. Yeah, we're continuing to see um,
4: people's demands. We, you know, everyone was thinking that this would drop off over uh, the first few months. It's not done that at all. And we, we're seeing demand through 2021. And I, I don't see anyone backing up and, and going back to a MERV 8 filter when they've uh, invested in uh, setting their buildings up to handle the uh, restrictions of the MERV 13 and I
1: So in general, with a thumbs up, everybody, has consensus that long term we're we're going to maintain that higher Merv
2: rating type of media, correct? Everybody's in agreement there. Yeah, and just very overall good.
3: volume. Yep, yeah, I think the overall volume is going to be there across all three grades. Yeah. Uh, I think there's more of an impact on the on the higher Mervs, but I think we're still going to have the Merv eight, Merv eleven, still driving demand as well.
1: Okay, very good. Uh, the uh, next question is kind of a it's what have we learned you know what we kind of all learned on the fly here but we we did end up with a shortage what lessons were learned from this shortage and in terms of future even beyond pandemics but future use what have you all learned what are you implementing into your individual facilities to address this in the future and 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 avert a future short shortage i'll
4: jump on that one i guess uh yeah, so for for us i think we've been in the air filtration industry we've uh, we, we need to be more uh, proactive in our response and and in and in for, in, in forward-looking and in, in what we'd be able to provide to the industry um, we can't wait for the next pandemic so i think that there has to be more investment we have to we have to look at those things and make sure that we're we're properly um Addressing those things when it when it counts to our customers, so that they can then go to the market and and, and push those things as well. So I think one of the things that we're going to we're going to really have to look at how we um, move forward on new products and how we present those to the market. And it's um, it's going to be vital that we make sure that our our all of our equipment, everything is uh, is taking the next steps to provide the, the next generation of products into the market.
2: Yeah, I think that that's right, Mark. I was just going to add to that. Uh, also, you're going to see uh, a lot of stockpiling of PPE, hopefully by uh, by the government, uh, state, federal, but also by companies. So that way the crisis won't be so imminent when it first starts. There'll be some buffer built into the system so that we don't have to panic uh, to switch everything over to medical applications right away. Uh, I think from a, an operations perspective, in, as an industry we also uh, have, have learned quite a lot. Uh, I like your, your talk, your thought there, Mark, about uh, about doing more to have contingency plans. So what you know, what are the, the levers that you can pull to add 5%, 10%, 20% incremental capacity here and how can you be ready for that? So it's kind of off the shelf ready. We know we can't afford to wait 12 months for a whole nother production line uh, the next time this, this sort of thing happens.
3: Yeah, I, I agree with both you guys as well. One thing that we can't do, and I hope everybody on this call understands that, we can't stockpile enough media to cover this giant wave that we have seen. Yes, we are increasing our inventory. Once we get to that level, we're still trying to backfill and, and, and fill POs we've gotten for, for the last few months. And we are going to increase our, our investment in holding more material. But there is just no way to manufacture enough to, to cover this wave that we've all seen. Uh, I think making sure that all the employees are safe, making sure that we're doing the best we can inside facilities to not shut them down at all. I know that all of us probably had some shutdowns when this first started. And maybe in the future, understanding the the procedures just a little bit better to make sure that we, we can eliminate having the complete shutdowns and keep everybody safe at the same time.
1: Good. Okay. Um, again, Mike, I think it was you that just mentioned the non-wovens and maybe the melt loans and that it wasn't cool and now it is. And in fact, it is becoming larger internationally as well as more of those type of production lines come on. Are you all looking at that in terms of how you balance or a market mix, maybe by percentage of uh, between the medias? Are you looking, Are you anticipating a change and now forecasting and adjusting to a change?
2: We we are, and it goes back to that. Uh, you know, the, the MERV thirteen and higher, we think, is here to stay. And uh, you know, once you, you you determine you can handle it in your uh, air handling system, why wouldn't you want to keep that? For all the reasons that Scott and Mark talked about for indoor air quality on the particulate on the gas phase, uh, that, that's certainly going to be here. Um, it, you made me think of another point, Joel. There just about the constraint in the supply chain. A lot of this uh, this effort to near source or produce locally. Um, most of the filtration, the industrial and commercial filtration markets, that media was by by far and away produced, you know, domestically in the U.S. It's the medical industry that had already offshore that. And in their rush to come back, that's what really put the squeeze on the industry overall. So, as I mentioned, just in North America, there's 14 machines going in. Um, just by my math, and uh, it's not perfect math, but in rough terms, I think that there'll be three times the capacity to be able to reduce that medical volume than there was before, if it were all allocate, allocated to that. So the country will be in a much better position uh, going forward.
1: If I may follow up on that real quick. So both importing and exporting of, of those types of medias and even all medias, what are we looking at now uh, relative to the current situation, what are we looking at as far as in domestically and then foreign for the media's? Is that not a clear? Not not making sense. I guess I'm just wondering what the what what the mix is. We we've received some questions on the impact of international market on our market, and just if you can speak to that or address that in any way. Anybody comfortable with that? I mean, I can start from a Kimberly-Clark standpoint. We are definitely seeing
3: more export than we have in the past years. So, yes, we're seeing some impact from Asia, from APAC, from those those locations. We do not see that going away as this is – we talked about, and you mentioned that uh, filtration is in the infancy here in the U.S. It's baby, baby steps over there in Asia and, and APAC and India and those kind of locations. So, I think we're going to continue to see that grow. Uh, Mike mentioned earlier about the impact of media going into PPE and protective products. We're going to see that kind of slow down as, as we see the stockpiles, as we see we come over, over this. And, and we know that that's going to free up more material for us to sell into the filtration market itself. Uh, we don't import. We're not looking at uh, setting up new facilities outside the U.S. really at this time to bring into North America. But we are adding to our capacity in North America to export.
2: Sure. Mike, or yeah, I, I would say as a uh, as a global company, we have production. Uh, uh... Assets uh, around the world. Uh, we're we're in each region for that local region.
4: Okay. I think we we lost some of your commentary there, Mike. But um, I'll just uh, just say for the rest of you, we're, we're we're definitely focused on more of North North America in the air filtration markets. Um, globally, we um, concentrate on the other markets, but uh, U.S. is uh, is our focus at this time. Okay.
1: Um, We've we received a question kind of along this line. Of what, what countries are the other top filtration media producers?
2: It, uh, specifically for this type of electret product, there's a lot of it produced in, uh, in Taiwan, uh, in China. Okay. Uh, and then, of course, uh, you have some, some big players in Europe uh, as well. All right. So kind of in in the, that, the biggest uh, producer of that, that type of
1: media. Number one. And the uh, best quality, might I add. There you go. <laughs> All right. So kind of building on that with uh, with innovations and technologies coming beyond the COVID experience, beyond the shortages on the media, what what kind of innovations are we going to see? And I'll also back up that some of these questions came along, uh, the antimicrobial and its effectiveness in COVID, but what kind of innovations are you all bringing to the market to see coming that you can tilt your hand and give us a heads up on? And then also the effectiveness of maybe the antimicrobials.
2: Yeah, we're, we're doing quite a bit with, uh, with the focus on innovation. We're expecting that the higher efficiencies are going to become more of the norm. So what we're working on is trying to have higher efficiency media
3: Uh, Mike, we've lost you. I can jump in there from a Kimberly Clark's perspective and, and talk about the innovation. Lower movement. pressure drops. So that. And, and Mike's right. I mean, we're, we're focused on the higher MERV ratings. We're, we're looking at bringing the all the way up to MERV 16 out. We think that's important. We're, we're, we want to get back and, and do more with uh, bag filters, the bag media. Uh, mini pleats that kind of thing but right now our core focus is to get as much capacity and make sure our machines are running as efficiently as possible on that MERV 8, MERV 11 and MERV 13. And then yes we do have some some great scientists that's looking into some antimicrobial potential opportunities but none of that is looking to happen in 2021. It's a 2022 and beyond discussion because we're focused on capacity.
4: Yeah I I'll agree with Scott. We've uh, We've certainly had Laser focus on capacity in, in 2020, and it, it will, that will continue through probably most of 2021. We are we are investing and in looking at other technologies that we we believe will be innovative enough to uh, to have a change, or make a shift, and uh, have people really looking more toward, as Scott was saying, the the higher efficiencies is going to be the driver. It's, it's going to be the norm going forward.
1: Okay, um, you know. Back on, on the, uh, the antimicrobials though, if I could, you know, we, we received a lot of questions on that. And is, has there a big caveat that obviously COVID no one knew anything about, and we're still learning. Again, I mentioned viral dosage at the beginning of this presentation. We're still learning and CDC is learning, but previous studies, previous positioning of that product, the applicability to that, to the COVID virus, can, any, any comments on that?
3: Well, one thing that we don't want to do, and I'll just jump in there, we don't want to market something that doesn't really do what it says it's supposed to. So if yes, if we can uncover a new innovation that can actually do some of the things that we all hope for and that killing viruses inside your home, we're all interested in doing something like that. If it is just a a marketing ploy to get people to, to look at a new product, no, we're not interested in making those moves. And we're always looking for partners. I mean, this is a great organization. If anybody has ideas or you know, this is a great uh, time for folks to be able to discuss openly with manufacturers of media what possibilities are out there that we could solve additional problems with, and we're always open for those kind of discussions.
4: Okay. Scott, I'll, I'll, that, that's true with us as well. We've uh, and I know for a number of years. I, I think I've been in filtration business for thirty years, and antimicrobials are nothing new. And we've 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 done some work, and we have some things there in in those for those types of applications, but it's it's really on the, the you know if we could partner with with people to look at some of those things and then have something that we know is truly effective, then we can uh, we can certainly we're certainly willing to work with uh, a company to bring those things forward.
1: Right. Okay. Mike, can you come? You're and you're muted. Sign Mike, language, Mark. Mike, if you could unmute. There you go. Okay. Still that work? There you go, that works. Try try again. We lost you again. Okay. Um, we've lost you there for a minute, Mike. Let me go on to the next question. So another another kind of question, oh, international type question. We got a series of those. Internationally, is the demand matching and mirroring uh, what we're seeing in the domestic market? The MERV 8 to MERV 13, obviously, is a move up uh, with the ISO Standards and different different standards, but are are we seeing the same thing across? And you also mentioned that that uh, the media, uh, you know, they're they're more in their infancy, but are they mirroring us, or what are they doing different? What are we seeing in the international market that may be similar or different? So there is growth, but
3: I think Mike mentioned this earlier, and I agree with that. It's not quite the growth that they're seeing in the U.S. Um, I think we we understand filtration a little bit better. The the layperson understands filtration just a little bit better. And so they're willing to take that jump up to MERV-13. What we're seeing over in uh, other countries is the beginning stages of that. People are understanding, hey, maybe we need some kind of filtration system in there. So maybe we start with a seven or eight. But they are very educated, very quickly looking for a solution. And they think that getting up to a MERV-13 is where they need to be to kind of help capture these particulates. Um, But... Yes, we believe that there is a, a big opportunity out there, but no, it's not growing at the same capacity as North America in our world.
4: And I, I would agree with Scott, we're not seeing that type of um, requirements in other parts of the world Is they're just, they just haven't caught up with uh, where we are, our, our need. We don't see the need of the uh, air conditioning on a 90 degree day.
2: I do. I also think that has to do with the uh, the types of air handlers that are available. Certainly, uh, the systems are different than the U.S.-based systems. Uh, in Europe, for example, uh, you don't have air conditioning is as popular on the cooling side. Uh, so, there's different solutions that are required there. Uh, you do see also different standards, of the ASHRAE versus uh, the ISO standard, for For example, which makes the media is tuned a, a bit differently for that specific part. Fully totally
1: agree. Joel, I think you're. I'm um, muted that time to get some water there. Uh, yeah. So. As, uh, as we go forward, and, and I, we, we were talking earlier, the, the recommendations, if, if you all have the opportunity and you do right here, if you would offer your recommendations to, to your supply channels of, of who you are providing to, um, and what recommendations do you have for them in both the short-term, medium-term, and long-term approach to get us through this pandemic? What recommendations would you offer right now?
3: I guess my first thought would be a little bit of patience. Um, we are in a situation that is put the capacity constrained. There's no doubt about that. We're all working as hard as we can to, to get as much material out the door as we possibly can. Um, but it's going to take a little bit of time before everybody is is getting everything that they want. So allocations is something that is is a real term right now that we're all having to use. Um, but we ensure you that we are doing everything we can to get back uh, additional capacity to grow our business and to get as much material in the market as possible for you and your end customers.
4: I would say for the customers, we're i am sure Scott and Mike are responding like I am every day to request to customers requests through uh, allocation that they, they want to make a change and it's, um, or they need a, a different size or some other things. It's um, it's it's going to be painful over the next few months, I believe, but kind of making a plan and sticking to it. And make um, I know your customers may require a different size or different type of media, but it's it's being forward thinking as you can, and communicating that to your suppliers so that we can. um, Because if when we have to make changes, it it impacts everything, and uh, it it's negatively impacts everything. So Um, kind of make the tough decisions uh, with your customers. And and I'm sure I know you do every day and we're we're trying to support you as absolutely as best we can.
2: Okay. Yeah, I I certainly agree with that. The only thing more I would add is that uh, we, as an industry, we should try to take advantage of the opportunity to continue to sell the MERV 13 and higher. We know that's better for indoor air quality and we shouldn't try to downsell now. I think we should try to capitalize on this and make sure uh, we're pushing the right solution and try to buy patients all the way through the supply chain. And then for certain industrial applications, certainly uh, micro glass fiber media
1: is widely available.
2: And that can be a solution. V banks, panel filters and such.
1: Okay, Um, I'll I'll kind of build on that MERV 13. We did receive a lot of questions outside the scope on what proven MERV 13 information is out there that it really is effective. at uh, you know, mitigating the risk of COVID, and there was a Nafa study, uh, uh, and Tony, maybe somebody at our Tom will jump in here, but um, Mr. Stevens, uh, but that that we there were studies on that different MERV level and airborne viruses, and that's what Ashray used. So those of you that asked that question of why MERV thirteen and Why not going back? And we're hearing from our panel that we're not going to go back. Why is that? Is there data out there? Is there data specific to SARS-CoV-2 and the COVID-19? No, but there there is airborne studies. And as uh, the viral dosage question starts to come up more, the minimizing of those bioaerosols in the air is effective. There is empirical data out there. Um, it, It does follow logically as well. And studies are moving in that direction. So all right, well, I've actually kind of we're 40 minutes in, and we've kind of run through the uh, existing questions here that we've received. Uh, I, I will we have been getting more on the segmentation of the, of the time. And, and you know we open with six months to a year. Um, but if we could go a little bit more into detail on that because we've gotten some more requests for that question, the response, everybody's looking for for planning and and future. Can we get a little bit tighter on your answers on what to expect and maybe, uh, and you you mentioned these at the beginning, that what will affect whether we're recovered in six months or 12 months, or or what are the things that we're looking at there?
2: Yeah, maybe I'll take a a shot at that first. I think most of us uh, here, Scott, in Mark and, uh, and myself, our, our companies, I think, are pretty much sold out with the existing assets through 2021. There's what's coming on stream after that for us in the broader industry. There's a lot coming on in the broader industry um, in the coming uh, quarter. And I think you'll start to see an impact from that, uh, from from uh, not just uh, my company, but also uh, my competitors as an industry as we put that capacity in. The, uh the granularity can we can we give you a better number that you can bank on is really tough. Um, one thing we didn't get into was talk a little bit about the the government's role in this and the government orders that are being placed on uh, on the different media manufacturers. Uh,
1: cut out. That's a that's a great topic to elaborate on, Mike. But you dropped out there, so maybe if we, you um, if you uh, I think we,
2: we know what we're dealing with right now.
1: Mike, we're losing you there, but that would, that would be great. I tell you what, if you would go ahead and stop your video, sometimes that'll help on bandwidth. Keep your uh, keep your microphone on, but you were talking about the government and you cut out for us. Can, can you- uh, Yeah, it, is my audio you? back? Is my yes. audio back?
2: Great. Yes. Um, I, I was just going to say, we, we have our plans based off what we know today. And uh, we know there's going to be a change in the government, uh, or we think there's going to be a change in the government. Um, that a new administration could
1: have, interesting style. a
2: different angle or different structural equipments greater stockpiling and that of course would have an impact that hasn't been taken into uh everyone's thinking right now in terms of of uh, the capacity management for the industrial and commercial
1: okay mike you're kind of breaking up there but let me let me we did talk about this previous and and your answer and i think that was kind of in and out there is just that depending on What government decides, regardless of who or what, but what the government decides in terms of amount of stockpiling going forward. You know, we talked about lessons learned. Well, the government's learning lessons as well. So whoever, but the the different stockpiling requirements and the demand of how, what kind of priority to demand to build those stockpiles um, is, I believe, what you were putting together as an answer that was cutting in and out there.
2: Yeah, thank you, Joel.
1: Yeah. And I agree. Like Mike was saying, there's,
3: there's just a lot of factors. I, I think all of us would love to give everybody in the industry an exact date that this is going to go away and we'll be back up to production. We can give you everything that you want. It's just we just don't have that information. Our crystal ball is just a little bit fuzzy right now. Now, we do believe and I think all my uh, colleagues there said the same thing. We do believe that we're going to have some benefits in the first half of uh, 2021. We think we're going to get some more additional material out there based off the investments that, that we're making at Kimberly-Clark. Yes, we believe that that's going to get better throughout the year. I think by Q4 of next year, we're going to be looking pretty good. But I think it's probably going to take us all the way into 2022 before we are all the way there and, and getting everybody about what they want. And, and with that said, we we have cut out a lot of sizes. And I think Mark was talking about that. You know, we've cut out a lot of things that make our machines run not quite up to capacity. So will we be 100% back with every single code that everybody wants? Probably not. But we can guarantee that we're going to have more capacity um, in the days to come.
4: Joel, what I've learned in 2020, as far as the planning and capacity and all the aspects that we would typically... Um, provide for our customers is I don't know anything. Uh, these things are going to change. Um, we don't know uh, what the effect of Thanksgiving will be if that causes things to, to surge, uh, God forbid that we see a, see a spike there again. The government could require many more uh, um, PPE. The PPE could spike again. And, and all of that will have some type of effect on what all of our companies are capable of doing. But it's it's all about the, the people and what we're able to. Um, I can tell you we, we've put the we put the people in place, we put the equipment in place, we have the technology. It's but it's how we are able to respond. I think we've learned a lot in 2020. Um, we're continuing to try to um, to um, effectively change and and spin and. <laughs> and uh, respond and uh, those are those are things that we have really learned. I think all of us have learned that in 2020.
1: Okay uh, right welcome to the club we're, we're all in the unknown area right. Um, well I think it's good to hear that from you all. I think it is good that you know it helps us on the outside and downstream um, receiving to understand where you're thinking and what you're coming and what some of those variables are because we'll see the variables and know what to expect. So that that's good to hear. Uh, the other question that's coming in today is we we briefly mentioned COVID-19 and keeping your employees safe and then just the quality inside your facilities and what what kind of things are you doing to maintain your quality and maintain your employees' health and uh, keeping those uh, manufacturing lines going?
2: Requiring uh, face masks within all our plants uh, and the offices where there are people in the offices. Uh, we're maintaining social distancing. Of course, we have cleaning protocols, uh, but we also have increased ventilation. So uh, we're looking to get more air uh, chain commercials to scale uh, as well as the office scale to try to get more airflow. And we've also upgraded our filters to MERV 13.
3: <laughs> yeah. and, and we're in the same boat from a Kimberly-Clark standpoint. We, we check every single person that comes into our facilities uh, we, we make sure they don't have temperatures. There's only one entrance. There's only one exit. We've spaced out uh, the machines as far as we possibly can. We're, we're conscious in the break room. We put out more of our hand sanitizers and products like that. Everybody has to wear a mask, like uh, Mike was talking about. Also, and, and this is probably frustrating to some people on the, on, the, on the call, is we have stopped letting visitors come in and view the facility. Uh, So there is no customer meetings or or planning programs or anything like that. at Our facilities right now, as we just want our essential production team in those plants and not letting else, not letting anybody else in.
4: Same is true with SWM and all facilities around the world. Um, Any touch surfaces are being cleaned multiple times a day. Everyone's, and we've, we've worn masks uh, for months. This hasn't been something that we've just started. We've been, we've been, um, requiring everyone to wear a mask um, as many people that can work from remotely or working remotely. um, It's, there's, you really can't do too much at this point to make sure your people are protected. And we're trying to, so if there are are any ideas, I think this, uh, this group, if you have some innovative way of uh, continuing to protect your people in your facility, share it within the group. I think that would be a a great thing to help us all. Absolutely.
1: Very good. All right. We got a question on your supply chain. So we're looking at, we, we were talking, I've pinned you down on segmenting shorter time, but in that same time frame, your supply chains, what, what are they looking in raw material shortages, risk of that, steps you're taking to uh, address that? And um, how is your supply chain responding to those demands?
3: From a Kimberly Clark standpoint, I can just tell you that we are our raw material supply is good enough to beat our capacity that we have now on the machines. So we haven't seen an impact from a raw material standpoint as much as just uh, making sure the machines are running at full optimization.
2: Yeah, I, all I would add is that uh, we know that some of our suppliers for uh, basic resins, polypropylene, and such are uh, are also looking to add capacity to meet this yeah the other big uh challenge early on was with scrims and spun bonds uh that has stabilized a bit now and there's also capacity being added there
4: i think most of those questions relate really to the beginning of the pandemic we saw a lot of uh you know everyone was trying to uh, you know like scrims spun bonds things like that um, increases um, nothing was available for a while but Um, I would say for at least SWM, our our, um, our raw material supplies will cover what uh, requirements we have for the near future.
1: Yeah. Received a question on uh, MERV 13 electorate, charged media, and we got a lot of questions about that as well. Um, Unfortunately, folks, I'm going to have to tell you that's beyond the scope of what we want to talk about today. Uh, That is something that ASHRAE is looking at and uh, that MERV A rating and that is certainly a topic. It is also something a topic that we at NAFA are talking about addressing in a future type of webinar. But just to let you know, that's beyond the scope of this one today. Uh, it, it certainly is worthy of a lot of discussion, but we're not going to tax our folks here on that one. But I did, we do have another specific question on the uh, engine filtration market. You know, we've got uh, PPE and the medical, and then we've got IAQ type of things. Uh, where, how, are, how is the engine filtration? Where do they? Where do they lie? And just kind of give us an update on how that's going. The meat capacity there.
2: Yeah, I, I'll, uh, I can start there. We, uh, early on in, because of the pandemic, uh, demand for engine filtration was quite slow. As you may recall, a lot of the automotive plants in this country and Europe and around the world shut down. So, uh, demand was very low at that point. It has since rebounded and, and become more normalized over the past, uh, six months. And, uh, most of the products in that space do not directly compete with these types of products, maybe with the exception uh, of the cabin air, but those volumes are so much smaller than uh, than what the industrial commercial side did. It's not been a big factor.
1: But you are, we are coming back and addressing that now. It's, it's starting to pick up, pick back up. So I'm going to say, yes,
3: yes. So it, it's starting to pick back up. And like Mike said, it's more of the uh, cabin filtration the engine filtration, now, we did see a little bit of a spike in uh, filtration in food processing. That was something that we had to mitigate a few months ago, but that seems to be normalizing now as well.
4: Really across all markets, we're, we're starting to see things normalize. And I think that uh, yeah, everyone had to respond. The, the demands were, were either they were off the charts or they were at the bottom of the chart so we're, we're all seeing things uh, come back a little bit more back to normal.
1: Okay. All right. Uh, one last question on, on the uh, internet internationally, we had a specific question uh, on Nigeria on HEPA filtration, but again, these emerging companies, uh, I'm sorry, emerging countries that are, that are stepping up, uh, any any comments, anything we can help? Uh, the specific question was Nigeria, but I'll open it up internationally because I do know we have internationals calling in, uh, internationally attendees here. Any thing addressing relative to market growth and, and higher efficiency specifically internationally?
2: I, from my perspective, I don't think it's specific uh, to any one region. I think that the trend to move towards higher efficiencies is really global Um, in the developing countries. Certainly they may be starting at a lower starting point, but then the, uh, you know, the interesting fact is that also in some of those countries, uh, for example, in Asia, you also have uh, the majority of the HEPA and ULPA filtration uh, filters being produced and utilized over there because of clean rooms. Uh, So, you, you know, the technology's there, it's just how it's deployed and what the priorities are. There, because HEPA and ULPA filtration in a uh, industrial setting for a clean room does not utilize the same technology as these electrets, uh, there isn't a, any kind of scarcity on those types of products. So they should be widely available.
1: Okay. As the countries are
2: emerging.
3: Okay. Specifically for us, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a little bit more detail. Yep, I agree we're seeing the straight global demand for higher MERVs going up. Specifically for us, it's more in the the China region and India region where we've seen the biggest growth. Uh, We have been in those markets for the past five or six years, and we hadn't really seen anything take off. And in the last uh, eight, nine months, it seems like that uh, that has reversed.
4: We're seeing more demand across the world as well for the higher efficiency filtration
1: medias. Okay. Um, we have a question about Merv eight demand. Has that been changing? Is there an increase, decrease that you're seeing in Merv eight during this uh, last year?
4: Well, I think what our customers um, maybe have, have done they um, they've increased their production capacity and increasing the production capacity um, maybe with some allocation on the thirteen side. And I can't answer for those those customers but I have seen some increase in in the 8 demand. Um, we're we're addressing that and uh, I'm sure Scott would would uh, also tell you we're, we're you know, as you can add capacity we will and as we can uh, as we can do that uh, I think that'll be a shorter term answer than what we've seen for the uh, for the 13.
3: yeah and I fully agree with Mark uh, we have seen an impact on 8 and MERV 11 but uh, the biggest growth seems to be in MERV 13.
1: Mm-hmm. All right. Let's see. Well, um, we, we've kind of caught up. We've we got the question also talked about the MERV 13, maybe somebody joining us late, but certainly MERV 13 is a 400% increase. Uh, that's something that um, we, we've looked at on the filtration market and the suppliers today have, have also agreed that they're looking at about a 400% increase year over year on that MERV 13. So as you look at that, compare an eight to 13, and there is definitely a shift in the demand on that as well. All right, well, I will go ahead and make a last call for questions here. Uh, we are at 4.57, so we got three minutes. Um, any last last minute calls, last minute questions? All right, well, I'm gonna go ahead and, and, and thank our team here uh, Tom, Mike, and Mark, thank you very much for your time. Uh, thank you much for your work as well. I know, you know, some, some pandemic folks uh, have lost employment or struggling through, and I know you all are working extra hard and spending an extra demand on you. So appreciate you taking your time out today to get with us. Appreciate you. I encourage you to keep going. And uh, we're all looking for that material so we can uh, meet all the, meet all the demand that's out there. Tony, I'll, I'll open it back up to you.
0: Thanks everyone. Thanks. That was a great, great discussion here. Uh, I know that people are going to be uh, watching this one here of, of folks that, uh, uh, that might have missed the beginning. So if you're looking for the recording, you'll want to go to nafaHQ.org and and uh, go there tomorrow and hover over the COVID-19 uh, uh, COVID-19 menu items. We have tons of other webinars here um, and we uh, uh, other reports and FAQs and all kinds of good stuff. And then this webinar, uh, will be here as well. So thanks so much. Uh, any other last final words, gentlemen?
3: No, we just like to say, thank you. I mean, to everybody out there that's using our material, I think Mark and, and Mike as well, we appreciate the patience. We're letting you know we're doing everything we can and, and, uh, you know, if we, we've got your back. If you guys need something, certainly give us a call. We'll do everything we can to help out as much as we can.
2: Yeah, I, I echo that. And, and uh, thank you all. And I, I will say at least for the industrial and commercial filtration markets, we've gotten away from people buying uh, MERV 13 filters, cutting them up and making face masks out of it. So that's progress as an industry.
4: Thank you, everyone. We appreciate uh, your, your calls. And, and I know you're, you're being as patient as you can. And we're doing everything we can to keep uh, you supplied.
0: Thanks, everybody. Uh, again, uh, keep up to date with everything going on with NAFA and what NAFA knows and puts out here. Follow us on most social media platforms. And then again, one once more, thanks again to our sponsors. Take care, everybody. For more information about how the National Air Filtration Association's membership, networking, education, and certifications can improve your career and business, visit NAFAHQ.org.